appreciate that. We're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 tonight, the book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter number 4. I received a text message this afternoon from uh, Brother Seth Holenstreet, the pastor there in Post Falls, Idaho. He said God really moving in service, had a lady saved this morning, said God's still working. All glory to God, amen. I'm very, very thankful for that, very thankful for that, good report. God's still on the throne, he's still saving saving folks, he's still changing people's lives, if we'll allow him to do so. So I'm very thankful for the good report from up in Post Paul's. First Thessalonians chapter number 4, if you find that, would you stand with me for the reading, <clears throat> excuse me, of the word of God in honor of his word. Appreciate your willingness to do that, as long as you're well able to stand. Look down with me, if you would, please, to verse number 9, 1 Thessalonians 4, and verse number 9. We're just going to read a few verses and get on into the message tonight. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 9, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, you do it toward all the brethren which are uh, all in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, therefore, uh, we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. <clears throat> Excuse me, and that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without and that ye may have lack of nothing. We're going to talk tonight a little bit, try to preach a little bit on above and beyond. Having compassion, making a difference. If we're going to show compassion and make a difference in the lives of people around us, then we're going to have to go above and beyond of what we are naturally able to do. But God is able to help us with that, isn't he? Sure he is, absolutely. Let's pray and we'll get, we'll get on with the message. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we just ask one more time before we get into the message for your guidance uh, by your precious spirit, uh, Lord, that uh, you give us that power that can only come from you, boldness to preach your word, clarity of thought and, and speech, uh, Lord, having a little struggle with my voice today. I just pray that you would sustain that, that you would help me through this message. And I pray for the hearts of the listeners, um, Father, that they would be open to whatever you might want to speak to us about, that, uh, that you might have your will done in our lives as we listen to what you have for us tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for caring enough about us to meet with us. We just ask your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. Please do be seated. Really, throughout the whole fourth chapter of the book of First Thessalonians, Paul delivers some very practical advice for these new believers in Thessalonica the, dealing with their walk with God. <clears throat> if we are ever going to make any difference anywhere, we have to have a walk with God. Yeah. 
It's very important we have a walk with God, a real walk with God. We talked about that this morning. Uh, I talked about it in Sunday school. We just have to have a walk with God if we're really going to make a difference in people's lives. Anyway, it does make a difference how we live. It makes a difference how we live. That doesn't seem to be the norm of the day, even in churches of today, that just say, this doesn't matter as long as you love Jesus, live any way you want to. Uh, But that's stretching anything that I can find in my Bible. It does matter how we live. We, uh, what we believe, what we believe should determine, uh, in effect, how we behave. What we are should determine what we do. If we call ourselves Christian, which just means Christ-like, then it should have some effect on how we live and what we do and how we operate in every manner of life. It never ceases to amaze me how easily uh, the Bible seems to be set aside when it's no longer convenient to live by. When, when what people want to do doesn't fit with what they know that God wants them to do, in just a moment's time, God loses and they win. And they just go the way that, God, that they want to go. And I really do not understand how a supposedly born-again Christian can just set aside God's Word without giving it a second thought. doesn't make good sense to me whatsoever when His way is the perfect way. His way is the right way. I mean, God's never trying to hurt us. He's always trying to help us. And whatever He might be trying to do in our life, He's not trying to hurt us. He's not trying to shut us down. He's trying to help us to be everything that we can be for Him and for others. We we know that's right. And either this Bible is true all the time or it's not. Oh, no, no. Either every word in this Bible is true or what are we doing here? But it is true all the time. And we can trust whatever it says. And let's face it, there are times when our lives clash with this book, and it's during those moments when that happens that our faith is put to the test. It's during those battles that our convictions are put to the test. When we decide whether or not we're going to do what God says or what we're, or we're going to do what we want to do. That's real moments in our life, isn't it? Sure it is, yeah. And I think one of the greatest problems that we face today is the failure of God's people to understand that their lives are to be driven by the words, thus saith the Lord. Our lives are to be driven by the words, thus saith the Lord. We come, we want to hear Bible preaching. We don't want to hear people's opinions. We want to hear what the Bible says, thus saith the Lord. Not, Not thus saith the culture, or thus saith the family, or thus saith our peers, or thus saith the economy. Thus saith the Lord, we're supposed to operate. Well, I tell you, preacher, times are getting tight. Understand that. But every word of God is still true. Come on, he will, he will take care of us. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He will take care of us. He will watch over us. And even if times do get tight, He will supply our need. He promises to do that, and we know that He's going to do that. The Bible's clear that we are to be in this world, but we're not to be of the world. And the problem, however, is that too many believers are both in and of the world. And the truth is, as believers, there ought to be a difference between those of us who name the name of Christ and those who don't. There should be a difference. Come on, you can't read the Bible and see it any other way. There should be a difference. And as believers, we're not only to be separated... But we're also to be elevated. 
I mean, there's something different. There's something special. There's something more noble and more honorable about being a child of God. I'm thankful I'm a child of the King. Come on, we're not to lift up ourselves, but we are lifted up by God. Come on, I, I, mean, I mean, there's something special about knowing Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We don't have to walk around like we have a weight on our shoulders because we know Jesus Christ is our personal Savior. Or we don't have to walk around with our head hung down because we want to live our life for God unlike the most of the world uh, does not. I'm telling you, there is something special about being a child of the King. And we are to go above and beyond in our conduct and in our character. And that's what Paul talks about in the verses that we have before us even tonight. And this is a challenge. This is the challenge for tonight, to go above and beyond. Just a couple of things tonight. We should show a love that is above and beyond. Uh, Paul here, he said, but as touching brotherly love, in verse number 9, Ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. So Paul speaking there of brotherly love. And these two words are actually one word in the Greek, and that word is is Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. We know that. Uh, Paul is speaking here of the love that should exist between members of the same family, the same household of faith. The same church. Come on, we are to love one another. Absolutely so. That's what keeps unity in the house of God. When we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we have to love them with the love that God loves us. I mean, when we got saved, the Bible says over in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, excuse me, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. And so when you got saved by the grace of God, if if you're truly saved by the grace of God, the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost of God. No, it's already in there. And I know many, many times we have a hard time acting like it's in there, but it is in there. And we are supposed to love others with the love that God, with, with the love which God loves us. And, and I want you to understand some things about this love. It's a very sincere love. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22 says, Seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned or without hypocrisy, love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. So it has to be a sincere love. Preacher, I'm telling you, some people are just, you know, some people are just harder to love, you know. Um, Yeah, I think about that when I think about God's love for me. Because I know there's a lot of times that I must be really hard to love. But we are to love others the way that he loves us. Even, even, no, 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 no. I mean, we are, no, no. We are to allow the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts. We are, we are, we are supposed to allow that to come out and show love to others. And I'm not talking about some ooey gooey weird feeling. I'm talking about a love that is willing to give, a love that is willing to go, a love that is willing to help, a love that shows action. We're supposed to have that sincere love. But it's also supposed to be a comparable love. And I've kind of touched this. In John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So our love for others is to be comparable to the love that Christ, uh, uh, wherewith uh, that, that, that Christ loves us. Chew on that just a little bit, if I got it out right. We're to love others the way that Christ loves us. 
and it's a commandment from the Lord that we're to love others as Christ loves us, as he has loved us. That means that we are, uh, well, probably uh, going to have to overlook some faults, probably going to have to overlook some shortcomings, probably going to have to uh, forgive every once in a while, uh, probably going to be, uh, should be willing to reach out and help others in their time of need. I don't know about you, but the Lord is very good at reaching out to me and helping me in my time of need. And we are to, we are to have that comparable love. I mean, God makes that clear. In that it's a doing love. Galatians 5.13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So we're to be looking for ways that we can serve one another, that we can be there for one another. I tell you, I, I don't know how many times I have heard people say this in my years of being saved, um, something to this extent, um, boy, I just don't know how people make it without God. And I have to say amen to that, absolutely so. I, I don't know, I don't know. <clears throat> but there's a lot of times I don't know how people make it without a church family. I, I don't, I don't, because, man, so many times the encouragement I need comes from my brothers and sisters in Christ. And we should be looking for a way that we can help others in that way. I, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, serve one another in that way. Be there for one another. It's very, very important because this type of love is supposed to be a supporting love. Supporting love. Um, 1 Peter 4, 8, And above all things have fervent charity or love among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. We, we need to be looking for ways to help one another. So this love that Paul was talking about was a love that uh, they were already aware of. They were aware of this, just like we should be. Come on, verse 9 again, But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write under you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Uh, the thing about loving one another and how to do it was not anything new for these Thessalonians. God had already taught them these things and really and truly should have already taught us the same. Okay, preacher, you kind of stumped me. When and where did God teach them and when and where do you think that God taught us? At Calvary. He taught us that at Calvary. Oh, come on, he was willing to die for you. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. But he loved us enough that he was willing to do that. Everything we need to know about love, we can learn by looking at Calvary and what he suffered for us when he didn't deserve to suffer for us. And he was there for us. And he, he, we know this. We know that he was the very Son of God. We know that he was God in the flesh. We know that if he had wanted to that he could have wiped out that whole crowd that was crucifying him and came down off the cross and just went on about his business. But he didn't do that because he loved us enough to stay there and to fulfill his Father's will that we might know him and know him in a free pardon of sin. We learn about that selfless nature that we're supposed to have of the love of Calvary. Because as Jesus was Hanging on that cross, he, he wasn't concerned about himself. And, he, and, he, and he, he, was concerned, he was concerned about others as he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
No, no, it wasn't Father, avenge me. It was Father, forgive them. So we learn about that selfless nature that we're supposed to have. And I know, and, 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 and it's very true, we are bombarded otherwise by our culture today, aren't we? Come on, where we live in a I'm number one society, it's all about me, how I feel, what I want to do, where I want to go, how I want to live. Come on, it's out there, isn't it? Absolutely so. But that's not the way that we as Christians are supposed to live. We're supposed to live a selfless love, the way that the, that, that the Lord did. He was our example. But we also learn steadfastness, uh, about the steadfastness of love at Calvary. Paul said over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that love suffers long. That means uh, that true love endures in the face of mistreatment. You know, who in history has been, has been so mistreated, yet so exemplary in their de- demonstration of love in the midst of it all than Jesus? I mean, nobody's been more mistreated than him that didn't deserve it because he didn't deserve any of the bad things that happened to him whatsoever. Uh, and, 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 and so it, it proves to us, it's, it shows us the steadfastness of love at Calvary. <clears throat> There's too many people that leave churches because they're hurt by somebody else in the church. That's not a good reason to leave a church. It's not a good reason. It's not. Well, people, people shouldn't be hurting other people uh, in the church. I agree wholeheartedly. Come on, we already talked about loving one another. I'm not letting money get away, I'm sorry. We already talked about loving one another. No, we shouldn't be hurting one another. We should be trying to help one another, encouraging one another, exhorting one another, edifying one another. Come on, lifting up one another. Being there for one another, supporting one another, absolutely so. And if we have a mean, hateful spirit and we want to gossip and talk about people behind their back, we need to be one of the first ones at the altar when the altar call comes. But we need to be repenting of those things in our life because God wouldn't have a sack like that, no way, shape, or form. I said He'd never have a sack like that. Come on, young or old, it doesn't matter whether it's the older folks or the younger folks, the little folks, God does not want us to act like that. He does want us to love one another, care about one another, be there for one another, all those different things. And I hate that anybody be hurt, would be hurt by someone else in the church, but that's not a good reason. That's not a good reason to run. It's not God that hurts you. It's not that church uh, uh, that hurts you just because one individual is like that. And, and sometimes, sometimes we just have to determine, we just have to determine that we're going to stay where God puts us no matter what might come to pass. Well, preacher, do you like to be mistreated? (laughs) There's not anybody that likes to be mistreated. There's not anybody that likes to be talked about behind their back. There's not like, no, 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 there's not anybody that likes to be thought ill of. Nobody likes that. But it does happen at times, doesn't it? Might as well go ahead and say amen right there because it does. It does. It shouldn't, but it does. 
Well, i tell you what I need to do. I just need to find a church that's loving, caring, just perfect all the time. Good luck. Good luck with that. And if you find one, don't join it because you'll mess it up. There's no churches like that because churches are made up of people. And people are sinners. And sinners make mistakes at times. And a thing like that, if, if, no, no, if you're one of those people who likes to gossip and talk bad about people and make, Ill, uh, make fun of people and, and, and be ugly toward people, whatever, what you need to do first is repent of those things and get your heart right with God because God doesn't want you to be that way. And then if you know that you've offended somebody along the way, according to Matthew chapter 18, you should go to them and ask them to forgive you for that. Amen. That's good preaching if I am doing it, I guarantee you. Because that's what helps to keep unity in the church. That's what helps to keep a church unified when we are loving people the way that God loves us. It's, it's so very important that we take that, that we, that we take these, uh, that we take these uh, uh, truths that God gives us here uh, uh, and, and, and we, we, uh, we use it in our own life. I mean, nobody has been more mistreated than the Lord Jesus Christ himself Nobody that, that, that didn't deserve it. He didn't deserve one thing. And yet he just kept loving us, didn't he? And he's our example of everything that we're supposed to do. And these people very uh, uh, evidently here, these Thessalonians, they were familiar with it. Verse number 10, and indeed you do it toward all the brethren which are, uh, are in all Macedonia. Uh, so Paul said, well, you're doing this. And so very apparently they use this love both inwardly among themselves and outwardly toward others. <clears throat> you know, if we can't even find it in ourselves to love one another inside Riverside Baptist Church, how are we ever going to show compassion to those that are out there? How are we ever going to make a difference in somebody else's life that's outside of the walls of these church? Boy, it needs to start right here in the house of God, doesn't it? Come on, somewhere I've read it in the Bible, judgment begins in the house of God. Because we know how we're supposed to be. We know what we're supposed to do. We have to make sure that we're practicing these things. And they were to abound in it. They were to abound in it. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase, verse 10, more and more. They were to abound in this love. And this is the above and beyond factor. I preach, I try real hard to love people. Well, maybe you need to try harder. Maybe you need to go above what you're trying. Um, Maybe you need to increase more and more. I mean, I think there's always room for growth in every area of our lives, but truly especially in this area of brotherly love. Old devil fights hard, don't he? Come on, to try to start and stir up things inside the the church. He he fights hard, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anything that he can do to make someone be offended by someone else, anything he can help someone to say that would offend somebody else. I mean, he works hard. He's working that way all the time. He really is. So that means that we need to uh, go above and beyond whatever love we're trying to practice now. We need to go above and beyond that. Maybe we just need to practice it more 
and more. While the Thessalonians were actively loving one another, uh, apparently because the Apostle Paul was writing to them, they had not yet reached perfection. And therefore there was room for improvement. Anybody in here reached that perfection yet? No, we haven't. So there's room for improvement. Well, how am I supposed to do that? Nah, walk with God. Listen to Him. Do what the Bible says. I'll tell you what, I don't feel like that. Right. You're starting to get it now for sure. Because we don't always feel like acting like that, do we? Oh, what are we supposed to do? Just put on a front, be a fake? No, 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 no. Don't think of it that way at all. Because it's not that way. If we have the Spirit of God living in us, it's not that way. Because what we are to do is we are to allow Christ to live through us. So, so that love of God that was shed abroad in your heart when you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have to let some of that out. Oh, come on, you have to decide that you're not going to do what you want to do. You're going to do what God would have you to do. Oh, come on, that's when the grace of God really kicks in. That's when the grace of God kicks in and starts to make you the Christian that really you're, you're, you're trying to be. But we have to put forth effort, don't we? And we do that by following the commands that God gives us and the word that God gives us. I mean, we take him at his word, we apply it to our lives, and we begin to live that way. And it may seem really weird at first because it goes really against our nature, doesn't it? It goes against our nature. Sure it does, that old nature we have. Sure it does. But I'm telling you, the more that we practice it, our Christianity that way, the more real it becomes in our own life. It becomes real. Or we can just set, are you still with me here? Somebody say amen. Or we can just continue to sit like a bump on a log. I like that term. That's Mom used that a lot. Just sit like a bump on a log and not do anything. Well, I tell you what, people, I mean, tell, you, preacher, I tell you, man, nobody seems to, nobody seems to care Nobody seems to care anything about me around here. Well, how much do you care for others? Oh, the Bible does say that uh, to have friends, a man must show himself friendly. You know, so maybe, just maybe, we need to get out of our seat. <laughs> maybe we need to be one of those that's moving around and uh, greeting one another when it comes time to do that. And just Instead of just standing there waiting for somebody to come greet us. Boy, this started out bad and it's getting worse, ain't it? I can tell. But it's true. We have to get out. We have to, no, no, we have to get outside of ourselves because it's not all about us. It's all about Him. And so we act the way that He would have us to act. We do the things that He would have us to do. We put these things to practice. And I'm telling you, some of you need a lot of practice. That's another thing that went over good, didn't it? I can tell. Mercy. But if we are going to be the body of Christ that we should be as a church, we all have to practice these things. We can't stand around, listen to me now, we can't stand around and talk bad about other people because they don't act the way that we think that they should act when we're not doing anything to show any love to them. We need to practice this 
more and more. No, I really believe that God knows that there's room for improvement in this area right here at Riverside Baptist Church. Truly. So we're to practice a, a love that is above and beyond what, where, where we are now. But also, we're to live a life that is above and beyond. <clears throat> and uh, it kind of shows the characteristics of that life here. Because it's supposed to be a peaceful life. Uh, no, he says here in verse number 11, and that you study to be quiet. That's pretty good advice. <laughs> I remember years ago at camp meeting, Brother Danny Farley preached a message out of that verse, and he, he, he titled it, Shut Up, Stupid. I'm just telling you what he said. I'm not. I didn't say that. It's what he said. <laughs> so, so what did the apostle Paul mean here? Well, the the word study means to be ambitious. Listen to this. No, no, no. This is really good. The word study here means to be ambitious. It means to strive eagerly. It means to seek with all the energy a person has. And to be quiet means to be peaceable. So, so I like it. No, no, no. What he's saying here is that, man, you, you, you ought to be, no, no, you ought to be putting everything you have in you to live a life that's peaceable. Instead of looking for ways to stir things up. Instead of looking for a way that you can call strife. To live peaceable. <clears throat> In my Christian life, there have been times that I have just had to make the decision to do what I needed to do to make sure that I was going to live peaceable with someone else. I just had to do what, what I could do. They weren't going to do it. I'm not trying to puff myself up or lift myself up here. I'm just telling you, in the practice of something like this, of Christianity, there have been times that I had to make the decision that I was going to do what I needed to do to live peaceable with someone else, even if I had to eat crow. Even if I had to eat a big slice of humble pie. I was going to do what I needed to do. Well, how come? Because we are supposed to live peaceable. And sometimes others, are you still with me? Sometimes others don't care whether you live peaceable or not. They don't care. And they're not about to show any effort to get that done. But if we're practicing Christians, living by the Word, the way we've already talked about, then sometimes we have to do things that, I'd say it this way, that don't taste good. That are not necessarily pleasing to us personally. 
to get these things done. Okay, I said it to my daughters a lot as they were growing up like this. Somebody has to be the bigger person. Somebody has to decide whatever steps it takes to make sure that things are going the way that God would have them to go. We're going to take those steps. <clears throat> Christ never wronged anybody. But he was wronged over and over, wasn't he? Over and over. And over. I never saw him fire back. I am sure glad he didn't have a mentality, bless God, I'll get them. Because he could, couldn't he? So I'm glad he didn't have that mindset. No. He did everything he could to make peace between us and God. He's the one that could do that. <clears throat> well, I tell you what, preacher, I don't always feel like doing that. Me neither. Me neither. But it's not about how we feel. Y'all still follow me here? It's not about how we feel. It's whether or not we want to uh, live our life in a Christ-like manner. Amen. <laughs> in Christianity, really, this is another one of those places that the rubber meets the road. I mean, I love it. We come to church, have a good time, fellowship with one another, sing songs unto the Lord, all those things. I, I love all of that. I, I do. But that's not all that Christianity is about. Christianity is about living life the way that God intends for us to live life. No matter how everybody else lives it. And that's where it gets tough at times. Because my own flesh at times has said, Brother Mike, well, they don't care. Come on, before God just worked me over and made, made me realize that I'm supposed to care. I mean, my first thought was, they don't care. I'm just as guilty as anybody else, Brother Skyler. <clears throat> Of wanting to call fire down on someone. Okay, y'all are more spiritual than I am. But I'm telling you, I've wanted to call, well, <sighs> I don't know why I'm confessing all my sin to y'all. I don't know. It doesn't make, that ain't right. That ain't right. Let me just say it this way. There's times that God had to prompt me to not do or not feel the way I wanted to do and feel. And I can tell you this about that. As much as I may have hated whatever had to happen at the time, I can tell you this about that. It always turns out a lot better when we do it God's way. It always does. Our life is to be above and beyond Well, I'll tell you what, preacher. God just had not made me live like that yet. God won't make you live like that. 
But if you take heed to his word and you really practice it, that's the way you'll end up living. I said, if you do take heed and you're not just a hearer but a doer of the word, that's the way you're gonna that's the way you're gonna end up living. I mean, I mean, man, oh man. So here he's saying that we're to do everything we can to live by these words. In the words that are found over in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18 where it says, if it be possible as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. God really expects us to do that. This has a lot to do with our behavior in the world. If we're going to live a life that is above and beyond, we're going to have to refrain from being loud-mouthed and obnoxious and rude toward others. And that's especially true in trying to get the gospel out to other people. We have to be careful, don't we? Come on, you, can't, you cannot make anyone get saved. And I know that a lot of people say, oh, you're just trying to shove that down my throat. When we're not trying to shove it down their throat, I understand that when we're just trying to witness to them. But let's make sure we're not trying to shove it down somebody's throat. You know, let's be very careful about that. When people reject the Bible message of salvation that we might try to give them, there's no need to stand there and go toe-to-toe with them in some long, drawn-out theological debate. There's other people out there that are waiting to hear the gospel. Move on. Because there's plenty of people out there in need of what we have. So our job is to spread the gospel. It's not to get anybody saved. It's to spread the gospel. Let God do the work. I'm just saying, remember that everything we do and everything we say is going to reflect on the Lord and it will reflect on the ministry of Riverside Baptist Church. That's why I say all the time, or have a lot over the years, that we have no right to look down our nose at anyone, because we don't. We don't. At all. We're just sinners saved by grace. If we're any better than we were before we got saved, that's all to the glory of God. And so we're to go above and beyond also in our personal life because it says here, and that you study to be quiet, live peacefully among all men, and to do your own business. So not only are we to be ambitious, to strive eagerly, and to seek with all of our energy to be peaceful, but we are to do the same in minding our own business. Or as we used to say as kids, just mind your own beeswax. I don't know if you ever said that. I I never figured out what it meant. Mind our own business. (laughs) Some people have a hard time doing that. It's almost like they want to observe somebody's life and then talk to everybody about how they could have a better life if they just do this or that or whatever. <clears throat> God didn't leave us here to fix anyone. 
We are to encourage one another, edify one another, build up one another, all those, but uh, sometimes it's good just to mind your own business. Well, how many has that made that really went over well tonight so far? <laughs> Listen to what the Apostle Paul had to say about busybodies, in, in, uh, or what Peter had to say about busybodies in 1 Peter 4.14. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Oh, come on, have you ever read that and just stopped? (laughs) Oh, come on. He said, okay, let none of you suffer as a murderer. Any murderers out there? Thief, evildoer, oh yeah, or as a busybody. That seems kind of odd put with those other things, doesn't it? But apparently, God didn't think it was too odd. You know, sticking our nose in somebody else's business is not only unwise, but it's also unscriptural. It's not how we're supposed to live. I have found out along the way that uh, if, I, if I am working at taking care of myself, I have plenty to do. Just taking care of myself. Sure. We have to be careful. You know, if some people were as enthusiastic about spreading the gospel as they are about spreading gossip, we'd have reached half of St. Joseph by now. We have to be careful, don't we? If some people were as interested in lifting up the Lord as they are in tearing down their brother or sister in Christ, only God knows what kind of impact that you could have on this lost world around you. We have to be careful, don't we? Come on, we'll end up finding ourselves in the flesh and talking and gossiping and doing a lot more hurt than we are helping. But we're also to live a productive life. It says there in the last part of verse 11, and to work with your own hands. Work with your own hands. Work. W-O-R-K. Work. There's a nasty four-letter word for some people. Work. And it's really crazy that we're raising up a generation in this country that knows very little, if anything, about the value of work. Miss Pam and I, she, well, she actually noticed today that at uh, one of the local drive-ins that they were ready to pay daily if somebody would just come work. And it's a sad situation where people would rather just sit around and do nothing than to go out and work and make a living. And it really is sad that if they happen to get a real job, they can't or won't keep it long because it's too hard or too demanding or too who knows what. Heavens to Betsy. I, I, I like God's way. God pretty much said, hey, if you don't work, you don't eat. Amen. 
uh, I tell you, our younger folks need to come to grips with the fact that 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 that, that what God has to say is right. And 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 and, and, and please learn that when you are not, that the Bible says, "For the commandment is, is the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and the reproofs of instruction are the ways of life." And, and so. When you're not doing something right, regardless of what area of life you're in, there's going to be someone to tell you about it. And you need to learn how to take it. And to fix what's right. And you need to learn to live with it. The reproofs of instruction, you need to learn to live with it. I want you young people to listen to me. You need to learn to live with it. At home, it's your parents, they're going to tell you. At school, it's your coaches and your teachers, they're going to tell you. At church, it's your pastor or teacher, he's going to tell you. In society, it's the powers to be. At work, it's your boss. I don't know how many stories I've heard in the past year or two. People just walking off the job, walking off. Well, my boss told me I was supposed to do something. Well, that's why he's the boss. (laughs) How do you suppose that Riverside Baptist Church is going to be supported in the future if some of you don't get a job and keep it? Okay, I'll move on. All I'm saying is that there's no allowance in the Word of God for laziness. As a matter of fact, the Word of God condemns that very thing. So we are to live above and beyond. Stay with me, I'll write it down. We're to live above and beyond the consequences of this life because an example is set. Verse number 12 says that ye may walk, now get this, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without. So the Apostle Paul is stressing the importance of having a good testimony that those, to those who are outside the church that do not know Christ. And people that name the name of Christ, that call themselves Christian, who are cranky and nosy and lazy are not going to get that job done. We have to decide we're going to be different. And then we have to allow God to, Christ to live through us. I've already said it, but it does make a difference how we live. Because others are watching. Especially once we tell them we're Christian. They're watching. We have to think what type of example are we setting. And it's okay, we can live this way because the necessities will be supplied. Because at the end of verse number 12, it says, and that ye have lack of nothing. Aren't you glad, come on brain, aren't you glad that God promises to supply all our need? I mean, all of our need. That doesn't mean just make sure that we have food and clothing and place to live. That means we have, look up here, that means we have everything we need to be the Christian we're supposed to be. We have it. We have the Holy Ghost of God that lives in us. We've been saved by His grace. 
We have the Word of God. We need to live above and beyond. There was this nearsighted uh, professor that was an expert in entomology, uh, the study of bugs. And his office walls were covered and pinned with all these different framed insects all throughout his office. And one day his students decided to play a practical joke on him and they got all these different types of bugs and tore them apart and they took a body of one bug and the legs of another bug and the head of another bug and they glued them all together. And then they took it, that insect that they had made to the professor and asked him what kind of bug it was. And he took out his magnifying glass and he studied it very closely and finally looked up and said, this is a humbug. You know, anytime the world sees a man or a woman whose heart is supposed to belong to Jesus, but whose mouth and nose and hands seem to belong to the devil, they can't help but say, humbug. Okay. Um, Hypocrite. You're not what you claim to be. See, one of the definitions of humbug is uh, nonsense, rubbish. And that's exactly what the world thinks about Christianity when they see those. Those that are supposed to be like Christ and act in ways that are not becoming of His holy name. And I think we do well to ask ourselves if we have been a humbug Christian or if we're working hard to be a be an above and beyond Christian. A Christian that goes above and beyond in loving others and living a life of honor for the Lord. We have to ask ourselves and check ourselves out are we having compassion toward others and making a difference? Are we really showing that, the love of Christ to people? Look up here. There are young people that are waiting to see a real Christian. We, we, There's a tendency to label things Christian today that are far from Christian. And there are those that are waiting to see a real Christian. Those that live a Christ-like life. But preacher mercy, if I start practicing stuff like that, I'm telling you, I'm going to be so different than everybody else. Bingo. Oh, is that a sin word? Bingo. 
Yeah, we will. We'll be different. But that's how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be showing people Jesus. And really and truly, people say, well, you know, I'm telling you, it just, you know, it may take, it, it's, no, 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 I understand. It's a work. We're a work in progress, aren't we? Or hopefully we are working toward it. And I, I understand this, that one trip to the altar can't change us completely. I understand that perfectly. I know, been saved almost 38 years, so I understand that. But a trip to the altar can change some things if we so decide to make real commitments to God. I haven't been living like that. I haven't been acting like that. I, I, tell, you, I, I tell you, there's some things that I need to change. Well, just come down and ask God to help you change. Tell Him that you want to be an, an above and beyond Christian. Tell Him that you want to have compassion and make a difference in people's lives. Tell Him that, tell him that you're tired of, of living a less than Christian life. Because He wants to help us. Because he's the one that wants us to go above and beyond what everybody else goes. So he's here to help us. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for being so attentive tonight. Thank you so much for that, for being patient. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the time of invitation as only you can. I don't know how you've spoken to hearts, but folks know. I pray now that they would respond the way they know they need to respond whether there's something small in their life that needs to be taken care of or something large or something in between. Father, that we'd be mindful that you are in heaven and you are all-powerful.